Welcome to The Ty Lucas Show, where the life experiences of others helps you to improve your health, wealth, and relationships. Here is your host, Ty Lucas. All right, all right. Welcome back to The Ty Lucas Show. I'm super pumped for today. For one, I finally got a podcast intro, as you would have heard on the way in. And I have a special guest, Stephanie Franken, for you guys. She has a a really cool story. And I first met Steph through the bodybuilding industry. Absolutely shredded at the time, both of us. (laughs) Uh, But it's been an amazing journey for Steph, watching her grow from the bodybuilding scene and then following on with the, the dedication and the discipline from that bodybuilding and personal trainer life and transitioning that over into the financial sector where she is now full-time trading Forex. And I have seen her being posted about quite a bit over social media as one of the leading Forex traders in the world as a female. So absolutely amazing. And without spoiling too much, here is your guest, Stephanie Franken. Uh, welcome to the show, Steph. Um Let's start off with a little bit of a background on you and, and, and where you are now and, yeah, go from there. Perfect. Okay, well, obviously now, you know, I'm living in America and I, I was born in Australia. So my background going back to, let's, let's start from when I obviously started working in a gym. So I started working in a gym pretty much straight away. Um, after I finished high school, so I didn't really have any break. Um, I don't really know what triggered me into doing fitness. I think I just always had like a passion for being fit and healthy. Obviously, back then, you know, at that age, you want to look good all the time, but then I sort of fell in love with the work itself rather than just like the physical aspect. I didn't really know what I, I wasn't 100% sure on what I wanted to do after school. There was all this pressure of like, you know, going to college getting a degree, but I didn't know. Like, I was so young, um, so I just didn't know. And then I'm like, hey, I might as well just get my cert three and four in fitness. So I did that full time. Literally had, like, one week break after high school. Did that for about a year. And then I basically finished college and started working at a gym about two weeks after I had finished college. So I didn't really have any, like, off time like most students have when they finish school. I jumped straight into it. So I started as an apprentice, was working underneath somebody at Fitness First. I think it's still around back there. I'm not sure if Fitness First is still a thing in Australia, but that's where I work. Um, and I started off slowly. I grew my business. And obviously, long story short, it took, about, it took me about three or four years to find like a stable client base where people were paying me like a bigger amount of money and it was very niche. So I was going into the direction of more like, you know, wealthy clients as well as people that were wanting to look at competing as that, that's what I was starting to get into as well. So I didn't really want to waste my time with people that kept canceling on me and like, you know, having to reschedule. It was a waste of my time and their time because they weren't getting results and they were wasting their money as well. So it took me about three or four years to find that stable client base where I was doing like, I was probably working like 45 to 50 hours a week. So I was pretty full on and then pairing that with like bodybuilding. 
which yeah. is how I met Thai. Um, and then having to, you know, like prepare my own food myself, have my own coach that I flew most once a month to Sydney, which was Andy Bell, and he had moved to Sydney. So I was flying there every month, you know, paying a decent amount of money to see him, paying for a posing coach, paying for a nutrition coach, still running that crazy 50-hour-a-week business, focusing on like it's more I feel as though personal training is a lot of the time uh, also like you feel like a psychologist because you're dealing with 40 to 50 or 30 people a week where you're also like most of the time some like you're sitting down talking to someone for half an hour talking about why they're upset because as soon as they walk into the gym and you can feel their energy's off they're going to have a terrible workout so you know, half the time is spent talking about them and what their issues are. So, you know, starting work at 5.30 in the morning to finish at 9 p.m. at night is so draining because you're taking on all this energy and trying to help people um, So, as well as your own, you know, your own training. And when you're competing, you know, too, how mentally draining it is, especially when you're eating certain foods or when you're not eating. For example, when you're getting close to, like, show day, it can be extremely draining. Um, and then having to train every day as well, um, well, five to six days a week. So I did that basically for a good seven to eight years. I stopped competing probably like two years before I stopped where I, when I stepped out of the fitness industry. Um, because when, obviously, was that back in 2017, was it? Well, I, I'm not quite sure. I think, yeah, it was around 2016. Yeah, just before, I, that I, was just when I stopped, yeah, the bodybuilding space as well. Yeah. But it's kind of like, you know, my goal was to win a show. So I literally dedicated my entire life to winning. And I didn't have a social life. I didn't really have any friends. Um, my relationship at the time was, you know, I don't want to say boring, but, you know, we, you know, he was in the industry as well. And, like, we didn't do anything. There was no, like, emotional connection. There was no, like, fun. It was basically just, like, work, training, and on the weekends, we'd just train, eat, prep food, watch movies. That was basically it. And then and that one cheap meal, hey. <laughs> one meal, which was every Sunday. And it was so unhealthy because, like, you you give yourself one half a day a week where you can eat whatever you want. So it's like you go from eating really strictly to, like, having that, that time, that window, that gap where you can eat whatever you want. So it was very unhealthy. So it was like, you know, trying to cram in as much bad food as possible and then you're left feeling like absolute garbage for the next, you know, three days, which is how long it took for me to actually recover because, you know, the bloating, the feeling sick, the fatigue that came with it because you're eating so many calories in one one sitting. It's very unhealthy. Not only that, but it also develops like psychologically. It's especially for a female, not only just our hormones because they're different to males, but our mindset is different. So it's like, you know, we might gain half a kilo or a kilo and we might feel like we're all of a sudden fat or we yeah. get depressed because, you know, 2% body fat that week. So it's like doing that for a long period of time is very unhealthy, I find. Like there's probably people that like say, no, you're just being weak. But it's like, then I was saying it at the time, but it's like only until I stepped out of that industry, I realized how bullshit that actually was and how the certain people were saying that to me were also bullshitting and now looking back at this day and they're still doing the same thing and they're still kind of like unhappy and miserable so it's like I know how I was feeling wasn't wrong so it wasn't until I stepped out of that 
circle, which is a very small circle. I think the fitness industry is that's when you sort of see yourself from like an external, you know, bird's eye view as to holy shit, like I was so wrong that whole time. Like my feelings weren't wrong, um, but my mindset was. And then, so obviously, you know, I wanted to win. I wanted to compete. So long story short, I think the final of the second last competition, I had won the national, the state titles in Brisbane and then traveled to Sydney to do national titles. And then I had won that, my class. And then after that, it was like, cool, you know, I have to go harder and, you know, do this, do more of this and, you know, do go even more harder in the training and the diet and the, the supplements, the supplements. Yeah. Um, and then I got all that and I looked at it and I'm like, I don't know if, like, I want to do that to my body because, like, competing at that professional level, um, obviously, it takes a lot. Like, you, I would, there would, there wasn't a chance in hell I was able to do that naturally against the girls that were competing at that level. So it was a matter of, okay, I have to start looking at, you know, potentially doing things that, you know, putting things in my body that, were frightening to me at the time and that was really scary and I had started prepping for those shows um and then I had actually did a show and then that my partner at the time we had broken up so it was just me living on my own um finding my own routine you know being single finding out that I actually do want to have a social life started going out more on the weekends finding more friends which didn't align with competing so that's when I found out that last show that I did, I didn't do very well because I had realized I was getting over it. I was outgrowing it. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I didn't place in that show. And that's when I sat down and had to evaluate, hmm, I'm losing passion for it. I don't want to, like, give up my social life now that I actually have one to, you know, endure this next, you know, one year of off season and whatever else it was back then. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. and that's when I compete anymore and just focus on my PT business at the time and I'm so grateful I did that because I did get in better shape for me like I lost muscle um and I was able to eat more of what I wanted without having to you know like gain any weight from eating you know a little bit of extra carbs because my body was so sensitive it took me about a year to actually get my body right again but even to this day like Psychologically, I'm never like a hundred percent. Obviously, I'm a lot better now. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, oh, but like, you still have things in your mind that are just sort of like eating at you. You know, like, I could never just go off and eat whatever I want every day. Like, I just couldn't do that. But like, it's not even about the physical side. It's like eating for your energy and how you feel, and actually like digging into knowing and learning what's really nutritious for your body as opposed to what's good for you physically, you know, because what's good for you physically is completely different to what's actually good for you in a nutritional standpoint. Yeah. Especially yeah. with bones and obviously you, you were my coach at the time, which you definitely showed me that side because I had started working with you when I was starting to pull out of that and that's when I was learning things that were, that w what I was doing prior to that wasn't right or healthy. Um, where do I go from there? Any questions so far? <laughs> yeah, well, well, I know that's a lot. Yeah, so I kind of just want to touch on a couple of things there. So that was a that was a big thing for me, like transitioning out of out of bodybuilding, and I've touched on that on the earlier uh, episodes. So for me, it, it it took me quite some time as well to get over that eating pattern, and also want to touch on like you know that 
mindset that you have of always beating yourself up in your head? Like, how's that for conditioning and and for yeah. bodybuilding? It's it's looked as like you know the health and fitness like pinnacle, but as we're touching on both of us, we weren't in the healthiest spot that we've ever been. Like it was it was far from it. Like yeah. when I was uh, yeah. finishing up with my bodybuilding, my sex hormones were really low. Um, I had gut issues. I had, I guess, an eating disorder at the end of the day because that you had yeah. that you kind of condition yourself for that cheat meal day, and then you just like, all right, I'm going to gorge myself with with whatever I can. And more often than not, it was really highly processed and refined foods. So it does have that bit yeah. of a, a mess up there as well. But um, so, yeah. are you saying now that it's taken you a few years, right, to get your nutrition to a spot where your energy production's good, your, uh, I guess, mind is all good and, and your brain function is working well for what you're currently doing now. Yeah, exactly. And that, for me, for what I do for work now, um, obviously I'm not in the fitness industry and I haven't been for the last three or four years. Um, my job relies solely on mindset and psychology as I'm a trader. So it's like you need to be sharp. Um, I still deal with people. Obviously, like I run my own business, I teach people how to trade as well. Uh, and it's obviously got nothing to do with, you know, like training and working out. But like if I yeah. don't, you know, if I have a night out, for example, and like if I do have a weekend out, I just won't work. I won't trade on Monday because I know I'll be sluggish and I'll be still probably having on a hangover from the food and from the alcohol. But now that my body's at a point where it is more responsive, in a, in a good way, I can kind of get away with, you know, eating and being much more relaxed. So, you know, like eating healthier foods and more like reading the actual ingredient labels as opposed to like the carbs and, and the calories and like the fats and the sugars. But actually knowing, especially here in America, because we, in America, it is a lot harder to eat um, better because there are a lot of foods that will say it's organic or healthy and, you know, USDA approved, but a lot of the time in the actual ingredients label, it's so highly processed um, yeah. and that a lot of the time in Australia, like there's actually ingredients in there that's banned in England and Australia. So it definitely goes in, like I've even taught my partner this a, a lot as well, rather than just reading the label, like read the ingredients, what's in the ingredients, as opposed to just worrying about the fat content and the calories, which was always ingrained in our heads as PTs and like as competitors. You know, count your macros, yeah, count your macros. calories, <laughs> that old sugars, count the sugars, but no one ever really talks about the actual ingredients and what's actually healthy for your body and what's going to make you perform better mentally. You know, like I, I, I love fats and proteins. Like I love meat. I'm not a vegan and I'm not against vegans or vegetarians, but for me personally, and everyone's different. Yeah, like exactly. everyone responds to different foods, so it's a never-ending like, argument where you sit down with a vegan you're never going to win that battle ever no. because like they they're so fixated on one belief they don't even want to look at statistics or they just have that one bias so it's like you're arguing with a brick wall so there's no point arguing with anyone so when i see people arguing online about different nutritional like viewpoints it's it's just a waste of time because you're never like you're just you arguing are. Yeah, you're just arguing to prove your ego that you're the right person. But, like, I know what works for me and, like, working with clients as well, like, everyone's body performs differently. Some people respond better to carbs, some better to fats. But for me, it's like I know when, you know, I just eat when I'm hungry. 
I'm hungry, I'll eat. Like, I don't have set times where I eat. I don't, like, try and, you know, I track my food. I do track my food most days just so I know what's going in, into my body. And I even try and put down, you know, the days where I'm not as healthy because I feel like a lot of the time people skip those days because they're too worried about what it looks like on paper. Or I had pizza or I had chocolate. Like, you know, for me, I like to track my food, but if someone else doesn't want to track their food, then don't do it. Um, but I just like, like I'm a numbers person. I like seeing numbers. I like seeing what exactly is going into my body. I still track my training. So obviously I view that as a, uh, a form of progression. You know, if yeah. I'm getting stronger, especially now that I'm doing a lot of like running and sprints and stuff like that, I like to know that I am like, okay, last week I did this and this week I did that. And I know for sure I'm advancing because I did more in this, in this side of things. Um, but like for food, so I, I like eating personally. I, I love carbs. I love fats. I love protein. I love sugar. I just try and focus on, you know, having more of a relaxed approach on, approach on the weekend. You know, so I do have a much bigger social life here in America, um, a more relaxed life in terms of, you know, eating and, and going out. It's a very so, so, it's very sociable here. Um, so I just I just listen to my body basically. So if I feel sick one day, I might you know drink a lot of water and fast that morning. Because I like fasting too, so I might fast twice a week or three times a week, only because mentally, I feel amazing when I fast. And how long so are you doing I those fast, fasts for? So I basically won't eat for sixteen hours, and then I have that eight-hour gap. But I don't fast every day because yeah. if I personally fast every day, um, I can feel it, and it doesn't make me feel mentally very good. But you know, two days a week, I'll do it. Um. And then when I don't fast in the mornings, I'll always have like a higher protein, higher fat content, obviously with caffeine because that's when I work. So like if, over here in America, I'll, you know, and in Australia when I was trading, um, I was starting my days at midnight. That was the American time. Whereas yeah, here, I, I can start. Yeah, remember your routine then. <laughs> no yeah, idea. Like I, it was crazy. Like I wasn't sleeping. Like I'd be up from midnight till like, you know, 4 a.m. And then I'd try to get three hours of sleep in. You know, wake up in the morning, go to the gym, get ready to, you know, do some work. Uh, might have a nap in the afternoon, whereas now it's like proper work hours. Like I'll wake up at 6 a.m., have my coffee, get ready to, you know, look at the markets. And then I'm working from like 8 a.m. through to like 1 p.m. And then I'll usually work out at that, at that time where it's, you know, not as busy in the markets. And that's when I go, we'll go to the gym, come back, eat again, you know, make a smoothie, you know. Or I'll just cook up some meat and some fats, or I might have some carbs, depending on which I'm working out. But the majority of my effort does focus more on obviously my work time. So I'll schedule my nutrition around when I work, as opposed to like making nutrition and and working out my sole priority of my life. You know, so that's kind of where I'm at right now in terms of my food and my training. Yeah, perfect. Well. Sounds sounds like you've got yourself sorted and, and because you've got that background in the fitness industry, you kind of know where to look and, and you're in tune with your body, which is pretty amazing. But um, a couple of things that I, I do want to touch on is like like in the fitness industry, like we both know it, it's super saturated, like every man and their dog in Australia and, and America and now everyone's online coaches and all that sort of stuff. So the actual success rate for personal trainers, right, is super low like after 12 months it, i think the stats the last time i looked it was like at about 90 percent of pts don't actually make it 
So I just want to like, yeah. you, you yeah. said it took you like three, four or five years to get like a consistent client base and, and from knowing you over the, however many years it's been now, like five, six, seven years, like your worth work ethic has been insane both in personal training, like obviously you just kept working and and you made it happen. And then the same with the bodybuilding, your work ethic was great, like you were always on point. And obviously now transitioning over into being a full-time Forex trader and teaching others how to do the same, um, is there any colorations between all of that? And, And what sort of advice could you give to anyone that is even looking to become a PT or is a PT and is, and is struggling, especially at these points in times. And, and what did you take out of that personal training career and the bodybuilding career that you might be using in your, in your Forex uh, lifestyle at the moment? Well, that's a really good correlation because that's one thing I will give um, bodybuilding and personal training is the discipline um, you know, that it did provide me um, and being really strict with my work regime and also the aspect of, you know, not giving up when things get tough. Yeah, That's yeah. a big thing as well. Getting into finance is mentally much more difficult um, than PT. That's my opinion. But like that's how you can't be soft really in any career because in anything that you do, there's going to be struggles. Um, but it's like, if not this, then what? You know, what else are you going to do? Like, you're going to jump into another career and do the same thing and things get hard and you're going to quit, jump to another career, things get hard, you're going to quit and do something mediocre and then you're not going to be happy forever. It's like, I don't want to be unhappy. So it's like working really, really hard and making it happen to be happy and be free. Like, obviously, when I was doing PT, I had a passion for it. So I didn't want to just be getting by. You know, I liked having, you know, I loved cars. I still love cars. And, you know, I do did have an expensive lifestyle. So it was like I wanted to, you know, and back then being that young and being in the fitness industry, I definitely wasn't as financially literate as what I am now. Um, You know, I didn't know much about saving. I was earning really good money for my age, like great money for my age. I think my first year of PT, my first year of PT, I made $55,000. And then it, it only just went up from there. So it was like I had then sort of, made so you make this money and then you sort of build a lifestyle where you're then spending more so it was like you had to make this much to you know be able to afford your lifestyle so having that pressure that financial pressure is was kind of a good thing because it keeps you on your toes so it makes you you know oh shit you know you lose a client you have systems in place where you're like okay cool these are my my terms and conditions for example so it's like that covered my ass. So I was really strict on that. I made sure if I did lose a client, I had, um, you know, systems in place where they had to give me, you know, two to four weeks notice. Um, and then the, their final payments would go through. So then it, that would allow me those two to four weeks to find a replacement for the lost session. So I never really struggled with having to find clients because I had more than enough time to make up for it. So I never really had an issue with that. Um, but I think the main thing too is you have to be passionate about what you do, um, and just don't don't give up. As simple as that that statement is, it just it holds so much weight. Like it really does. Like you have to have passion. You've got to you've got to be really strong mentally, and you just got to keep going because as soon as you just like, and it's another thing too. Like don't get complacent because as soon as you get complacent, which obviously I have done in the past, 
when I was, you know, business was booming. I'm like, oh, you know, I've got 50 sessions a week. And then, you know, you might be all good for about a month or two. And then, like, it always happened where it was like in one week, you know, 10 clients would cancel. And I was like, holy shit, like 10 clients? Yeah. What's that? $90 a session? Like 10 clients? Shit, i got to make up for I've got a month to make up for all these sessions. But like when you have systems in place, it gives you that breathing room to find missed sessions. So, you you know, you might find five sessions and then slowly build from that. And there you go. You've got your missed sessions back. But it's really important to make sure you're very strict with those terms and conditions because that's in, at the end of the day, that's going to cover your ass. And I learned that the hard way. Yeah, so, so that's where I. it goes back. That goes back into saying, you know, it took me four years Four to three to four years to find a consistent and stable client base. Um, it took me that time. Um, no one really told me that stuff. Like I had to find out that for myself. Um, and then I got older and I got a bit better with, you know, my financial literacy. And then when I was around 24, that was my peak. My 24, 25, um, and 26, I was, that was my, my best years of my life in PT. That's when I was doing consistently 40 to 50 hours a week i was charging you know 90 to 110 dollars an hour i had my client base all my clients were still you know were, were all um you know high net worth clients so the area that i worked in in brisbane and tenerife and the yeah. gym that i worked at was phenomenal like that was the that was the gym like that Which i was going was that anywhere one? else that was functional so yeah. now they've opened a second gym in Timbal, so they're killing it. Like they're doing. I have clients that still train with other PTs there. Like yeah. that's the client base that is that that gym. Like people and the membership isn't cheap, but it's like it's so focused on health and wealth and the the work. Like the classes are, you know, like they're not like Les Mills classes. It's like trainers are holding the classes, so it's kind of like there's also like a CrossFit box downstairs. They've got meditation areas. They've got steam rooms, saunas. Like they've got everything, so it's like that's the gym. And, you know, people are paying forty dollars. I don't know, twenty, twenty or thirty dollars. I don't know what it is now, but it wasn't a cheap gym. So people were going there because they wanted to go there. You know, fitness was a, a major part of their lives, um, which is for me like coming to fitness first to, to function well, and then finding that client base. I knew this was it. This was the place where I wanted to stay. And the only reason I would ever leave that gym was because I'd be stepping out of that industry into a completely different industry, which is exactly what happened. So I, I loved that gym, like the team, the environment, there was no ego, everyone was happy, like there was never any bitchiness really. Um, so, and yeah, like finding the right client base, that was also, you know, having that niche. You know, even like training competitors as well, like I had that niche for a while where I was only training girls who, who were competing, yeah. um, seeing, you know, what they were going through mentally as well um, in terms of like, you know, eating disorders and all that stuff and, like, having people cry on my shoulder and, like, them opening up to me, even people opening up to me about suicide and stuff like that. Like, it's not just coaching people and to exercise. It's like, holy shit, like, you know, there are times where my client would be crying to me and I'd be fighting back tears because of mental issues that they have gotten out of it. And I'm like, wow, I really am, like, a psychologist and giving the right advice and making sure you're so careful in what you say because as you, as you know, training girls, you know, if you if you say the littlest thing like, oh, you know, you've only dropped this much this week, it's like the end of the world and they can go off and starve themselves and cry at home. Yeah, yeah. It's just like that, like to be aware of. It teaches you skills and communication skills. Again, like it, 
not just about training people, but it teaches you so many different skills, like communication skills is a big one. So, um, and that's what I'm really grateful for learning too, in stepping into an industry like this as well. It's like, you know, people come to me and cry about now, you know, blowing accounts or blowing money and they've been, you know, trading or trying to trade for so many years and they just can't get it. They're just about to give up and they have no money and like, they, they're in a job where they hate and, you know, they're also, again, like people talking about suicide. It's like, it's crazy how the same thing is like happening in another industry. So it's like, okay, I've been here before. Obviously, like people are experiencing a similar thing in terms of psychology issues. And it's like, it teaches you a different language and it teaches you to be calmer and more tolerable with people. Um, obviously, my patience for people w were never really that high, but when you're in an industry where you're very passionate, where you are passionate about, you know, helping people, um, it kind of changes you and it changes your your way of dealing with people and it, you know, gives you more patience. So I definitely do respect the bodybuilding aspect of being, you know, waking up at a certain time as well. You know, this is when I'm waking up. Or I'm, I'm never, like my alarm goes off for, I don't, sometimes I don't even have an alarm. I'm out of bed and I'm, straight to my routine because I'm used to that routine with bodybuilding and that structure and that has really helped excel me now in my career in trading and that's how I basically how I got to where I am now in America like if I didn't have that discipline um, and that structure I definitely wouldn't be where I am now so I definitely give that a lot you know bodybuilding and, and training and getting up at early training those clients at 5 a.m. in the morning and you know not finishing work until 9 p.m. at night and, and getting up the next day and doing it again, it's like doing it no matter how tired you feel, um, no matter how, you know, like sick you feel, you will always be there trying to give it your absolute best. And that's how I, that's, that's a definitely a big, um, a big, I guess, uh, concept that I did learn from competing and from, from working at, the, at a gym. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's pretty amazing like that you can get some good things and some bad things out of, I guess, anything, any career that, that you have there. But I, I did find towards the end of my in-person personal training career as well, I was like, I'm actually turning into a mindset coach. Like I'm not even a nutrition or, or a, a bodybuilding coach anymore. It's more I'm a mindset coach in or a mind flexibility coach because I don't really like that mindset. It's a bit too rigid for me. Like I feel like yeah. mind flexibility is where it should be at. You should be able to adapt to certain circumstances. But yeah. having the ability to help people shift their perspectives on different things, that's where it all starts. It's not the perfect nutrition program. It's not the perfect training program. Where every yeah. coach should start is helping their clients have that adaptive sort of mind flexibility rather than just going, here's your nutrition plan, here's your training program. And that's a that's something that I used to do. I'd be giving people the perfect nutrition pl program that, that would have worked for them, but it didn't matter no. because they didn't have the headspace and they, they couldn't actually stick to that program. So that program was actually shit ass because they weren't going to follow yeah. it and they're not going to get the yeah. results from it. So, um, and that's very frustrating for us too as trainers. It's like just having an like having an understanding as to you know it's not that that's the issue. It's their mind, and everybody's wired differently psychologically. So it's like you're always sort of adapting to different personality types. You know, whereas some fe uh, one female 
you know, you can't be harsh and, and aggressive with a female that, you know, may have just had a kid or is struggling to find time for themselves and is like really psychologically on the edge of just the breakout. Like you can't be aggressive to them because they won't respond well to that. It's just like finding ways mentally to adapt to different personality types. So, okay, what can I do with this person that can help them mentally stick to their plan? Because it's not the plan, it's not nutrition, like you said, it's none of that. It's like finding um, um, finding ways psychologically to help them stick to it. And it's the same with trading. It's like, you know, it's not about the money. It's not about finding the right strategy that fits your, you know, that fits, that's going to make you money quickest. It's finding something, you know, that you can mentally stick to, that you have goals, that you have rules, that you have discipline, you know, where you do, if you do have a loss, walk away mentally because if you don't, you can revenge trade, which will then cause a very damaging psychological effect on you. And then you're never going to be able to get out of that cycle. And then you're going to be depressed and miserable because you lost all the money because your head's not right, you know? So like it, it works hand in hand with, with fitness and with finance, with in the industry of finance. Yeah. Epic. All right. Well, well let's get into that a little bit. I, I want to touch on like, first of all, like what was your transition? Like, obviously you're, quite successful in the in the forex space i have seen on quite a few other people's instagrams and whatnot like they're calling you one of the best female traders in in the world which is amazing so um so just talk us through like so you went from you know like you're living in brisbane and you've got a full pt business what even like intrigued you about Forex and, and what was that looking like? Because I know at the stage that, you know, you were waking up in the middle of the nights trading, like you weren't getting much sleep. So circadian rhythm would have been like all out of whack. So yeah, yeah let's have a talk about that. Cause a lot of people will just see you now and go, Oh great. Like she's super successful and it kind of looks like that overnight success, but Let's have a talk yeah. about the actual journey there because it's not all like sunshine and rainbows. No, it definitely wasn't. Honestly, it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Like compared to bodybuilding, um, bodybuilding was kind of a walk in the park. <laughs> um, so I got to a point where uh, I think what intrigued me to uh, – I've always been – I've always loved money. Like I've loved money since I was a child. Um, and had I had known – about trading when I was much younger, I probably would have pursued it, but I didn't know what it was. I didn't even know it was a thing. So I went to, I traveled at the time, I think it was in 2017. I went, I took a trip to New York for a month. Um, and I wanted just, I always wanted to be around the financial district. I wanted to go to Wall Street all the time. I wanted to go at the lunch break and feel the vibe of like people walking around on Wall Street. And I did that many times. I'm like, wow, like, this is, I love this. And like, I was a PT at the time, obviously. So I was like, we only, I only had four weeks off. Like, you know, I was never able to like go on holidays as long as I wanted because it was like, if I didn't work, I wasn't getting paid. So I had all this backlog of sessions that I had to go back home to, to make up for the lost sessions that people were still paying me for. So, you know, someone was seeing me twice a week, I had to train them four times a week. So it was always like that, you know, damn, like I really want to, I'd love to be, I didn't know what I wanted to do at the time. I'm like, I need to be in this financial sector. I wanted to work. I loved, I fell in love with New York starters. Like I, I just absolutely fell in love with America. Like New York was the first place I went to when I came to America. And when was so that? When was the first time you went to America? Uh, 2017. 
so that was when we, and then I, I went there for with my partner at the time. We went there in December, spent New Year's Eve there, um, right up until uh, end of January, 2018. So it was a real thing coming back on the flight home. I had the blues for a long time. I was depressed, miserable. I'm like, came back to Australia. It was hot, heat wave coming back from beautiful winter. <laughs> wearing nice clothes and then coming back to an absolute heat wave and then coming back to a full book of sessions and just not, I lost that, I lost passion for fitness, the fitness industry pretty much the day I landed because I knew mentally, I couldn't stop thinking about it. It was like, damn, I, I, and then I started researching, okay, trading, you know, I want to, you know, started learning how to trade um, on my own, found a few, I did it, I did a few courses while I was still PTing. Um, played around on like practice accounts, like I didn't trade my own money while I was still PTing, and then obviously I started seeing results on my practice accounts, like demo accounts, what you call it, paper trading. Yeah. Then I was like, holy shit! Like I made, you know, I got to a point where I was like, you know, wanting to check my phone all the time when I was training clients. I'm like, and then I check my phone at the end of the session, and I had made more money in one trade in like an hour than a week of PT. Yeah, and wow. all I did was some buttons obviously it's more than that you're going to learn the skill set and go through all that crap um and then i was like okay i'm going to really that's what taught me okay i want to do this like i want to learn how to do this properly so i invested in um one course that i flew to sydney for spent like <clears throat> five thousand dollars on on this course which ended up being a scam <laughs> <laughs> but it was a learning experience that i don't regret because if i didn't have that then i wouldn't it would have led me to the next course that i did so it was like paying for something like that. I could have went online and did it for free, basically. But I didn't know at the time because I didn't know anyone in the industry. So I had yeah. to find it out for myself. And I'm glad I learned the hard way. So, you know, long story short, I was, you know, bought the next course, studied my ass off, didn't go out on the weekends. Obviously, I was still running a business at the gym. And because I had lost passion, I was dropping clients because my passion and energy wasn't there anymore for PT. Um, I got to a point where I was dreading, absolutely dreading going to work. And it wasn't the gym, it wasn't the people that worked there, it was the job itself. Yep. It wasn't my clients, my clients were great, it was the actual role, I didn't want the role itself. And then I started trading live my own account, slowly building my own account. Um, I blew that account, which I knew it was going to happen, I knew the risks behind it, so I knew, you know, I started small, risking small, blew that account, started a larger account. Um, and then I started getting consistent. I started making money. And then I guess one year in, um, I was at a point where I was making like dumb money trading in, you know, I was making three trades a week. I was making more money doing in, on three trades, which is like a couple of hours work as in, as opposed to two hour, two weeks of training people. Yeah, you know, yeah. like it was I, was, I was getting to a point where I was like, I'm making too much money trading. Uh, I, I'm at a position now where I can step away. I save money. Um, I sold my business. So it's like I, I left the gym having, you know, having a, a nice lump in my account. So I wasn't like completely reliant on having to make bread, you know, every yeah. single week from trade. I had a nice buffer, which was I knew was really important. And I started connect, to connect with more um, traders online um, that I'm still extremely close friends with to this day. Um, you know, so it's really cool to see both of our journeys, you know, to where we started, to where we are now, you know, 
and running a business aside from just trading our own money. Um, so, yeah, I left the gym. I gave the gym owner four weeks' notice. He was surprised. I didn't tell people. I didn't. I wasn't like, oh, yeah, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave. It sort of just happened. I didn't tell him. I got to a point where I'm like, I'm, I'm giving him a four weeks' notice. And he thought me being the business trainer in the gym, he was very surprised. Yeah, so yeah. I kept it under the wrap. Well, this is what I'm doing. And he, and he thought I was just doing it for fun. You know, he probably thought I wasn't going to leave and I was just all, you know, all talk. But no, I, like when I find something that I'm passionate about doing, I go all in. So, yeah, I had gave the four weeks notice and then I started trading and I was, again, had my relationship at the time, had to call it quits because I had to focus on myself um, because trading is a very individual journey. So, and I'm glad I did um do this on my own because you know living in my own apartment earning good money finding my own routine uh where all my friends were online that's the thing like I lost a lot of friends out of it but I gained a lot of friends um more valuable friends that were all overseas and I have friends in America obviously here many friends I still have friends in Europe like all over the world I have students all over the world it's really dope um have still really good friends in Australia um it's funny because like I can count on one hand the female friends that I do have in Australia and all of them are, if they're not trading, they're, they're running businesses on their own, you know, marketing, whether it's, you know, financial planners or they're just entrepreneurs, you know, they're all doing their own thing. So it's interesting how, you know, people sort of like, um, you know, congregate together naturally because we're doing a yeah. similar thing. We have the same mindset. We don't want to work with someone else. You know, we don't want to have restrictions on someone, you know, telling us, giving us money or paying us and relying on people to pay us. Um, so that was really cool to have that circle of friends around you that think the same because you can talk about the same things, you have the same viewpoints. So having those relationships and like being lonely in Australia and just focusing on work and myself was something I needed to endure. So I had a rule where I wasn't dating. I didn't want to see, I didn't want to be with anyone. Um, I just wanted to have friends and I just wanted to have fun and I just wanted to work. So I did that. And then funnily enough, um, I wasn't looking for an American boyfriend. Like I wasn't. <laughs> um, and then like I knew that I wanted to obviously live in America one day. I was obsessed with America. I still, oh, you know, I'm working, I'm working New York time. Like it just makes sense for me to come here one day. Like I always envisioned living. I always envisioned like going even to bed, I'd put headphones in my ears and I'd put meditation music on and I just envisioned myself living in, in America, um, do, like being really well off and just being on my own and going to day spas and just being, you know, living in an apartment, a sky-rise apartment overlooking the city. Um, that's what I was envisioning. And I have that now. Like I, I live in an apartment that's, you know, floor-to-ceiling glass in the middle of Midtown in Atlanta, amazing city. And it's just crazy because, like, I didn't force it. I just yeah. envisioned it in a, like, to me at the time was like, it felt like shit. How am I going to do that? You know, like I'm single. I live in Brisbane. Like, how am I going to, you know, going to be able to go there on a visa and just live there? Like, it's not as easy as just going and on your own. Like, it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. So long. You know, sorry, you saying something? I was just uh, yeah. I'm just listening to the story. It's it's amazing. Yeah. So long story short, like the people that I um, found online that we were, you know, friends with. Like, obviously, in the industry of trading, there are a lot of men. So I had a lot of male friends. I've always had male friends. Even as a PT, I was surrounded by men. 
you know, I, I always got along really well with men, and I'm definitely a girl's girl. I definitely have a lot of girlfriends, especially now, and I very, uh, I really value my girl time, but I also value having, like, that male companionship around me as well, friendship-wise, you know, because it does teach you to be, you know, to give, have more backbone and not to be so sensitive. Um, so that's obviously why I, ha- I had found these, naturally these friends online and then you know i had like you said people were shouting me out and then this guy had messaged me this american person (laughs) (laughs) and he had and he said something that caught my you know caught my eye that they wasn't like they weren't messaging me about my looks it was about um a trading and and the first thing that was said was about a trade and then i'm like who's this guy so i went online and i found like the fact that his Instagram, his profile was so unique and he was very, you know, seemed very intellectual. You know, he read a lot of really smart books. He, was, he appeared to be very, very intellectual and that caught my attention. Long story short, um, we were talking online for about seven months, six to seven months. Um, we were got to a point where we were a month in and we're like, wow, there's something there. We don't know what it is. I've never had that connection with anyone. We were on, you know, Skype calls one day for, you know, nine hours or eight hours, whatever crazy hours it was. So it was like, okay, there's something that's worth exploring. So it came December. He flew out from America to see me in Australia. We met up in Melbourne. He stayed in Australia for a month in my apartment. We had a great time. Everyone was so worried about like, oh, you be careful. I know you've been talking for a while, but, you know, do online. But at the end of the day, I trust me. Um, And I've always trusted me more than anyone else. And the only person I did ask for advice on, especially with intuition, is my mom. And she's like, trust yourself. So I did. And end of the day, it, I was right. It, it was what it was. And now I'm here in America. We live in this apartment together. And it's like, we, there's no going back. You know, this is it. Like, there's, there's definitely no going back. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's nothing I can't. I'm getting emotional about it because it is quite amazing. Yeah, that's that's unreal. Like, and it And it's all starting from... You know, you've been there with that meditation, visioning it, and you've got you've got everything that you kind of had wished and hoped for, and it's and that's I guess that mindset or mind flexibility there of trusting in yourself that, that you're going to get there and you're going to do it. So, like, it's such yep. an amazing story for you to transition through all of that, and you're exactly yep. where you want to be. Like, it's unreal, and I'm super stoked to have watched your journey the whole way through it. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of work still to be done. It's also important not to ever get complacent because you know how quickly. And also to appreciate where you're at because, like, I've only learned that since coming here and being around the people I'm around. I was always looking for the next thing. Like, even in competing, I never got to enjoy the win. I never did because it was always like, okay, now we're going to work for this goal. It's like, okay, this isn't, now you need to do this. That wasn't good enough. So I never, I never got to enjoy the win. I never, I never did. Um, I never got to enjoy um, leaving the gym and becoming a trader. It was always like, okay, what's the next goal? And it's good to have the next goal, but it's also really important to enjoy, you know, the fruits of what you had, what you had achieved, and enjoying those little small steps, you know, and making bigger ones when you do achieve them. But just sitting in those times where you have achieved them and enjoying it, and knowing shit, like, damn, like I. I did that, you know. I never had that before coming here. I've always been so hard on myself, and that goes back to bodybuilding. We're always so hard on ourselves and, like, not 
saying, yeah, we're the shit. Like, we did that. <laughs> yeah. And I know for you, you same. Like, you never got to, like, sit there and, <clears throat> and actually enjoy what you had done. Because obviously, in your bodybuilding career, you were really successful as well. Like, you were probably always thinking about not being good enough or worrying about the next goal, the next thing. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, for me, I, I know, like, and bodybuilding, is, is it's that sport. It's like where's the weakest part on this person's body and let's focus on that. <laughs> not not their great parts, right? I know. <laughs> I know. It's always like, what, what's the shit, what's the terrible part? Don't focus on the good things. Like, yeah, you've got great shape, but you're not lean enough and you're right in three. It's like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, damn. <laughs> yeah, that... like, and then like when you're on feedback and they're like, picking at every little part of your body it's like no wonder we come out of it with so many psychological issues it's like mm, yeah cool you won but this is this is a this is a negative feedback and i get that for that sport but like it definitely does hold a lot of shit for the for the coming years and if you don't tackle that and and realize that and work on that um which we both did but there are a lot of people that haven't and are still struggling from like seven years ago because they haven't been able to own up to it and work on it, and they're in, they're worse off when from five years ago. So yeah. it's like that's really sad to hear those stories. Even people that are end up in hospital and nearly losing their lives, you know, that's really that's worse. Yeah. And we never had that. Yeah, exactly. And I'm super grateful that I'm I'm still not in that same loop of you know, oh, I've finished this comp. What's what's the next <laughs> thing? And then you don't you don't have purpose yeah. in between competitions. It's kind of like I need. I need like, to, yeah. Two weeks straight into off season, and then yeah. it's like for a girl too. It's like bulking, it's like bulking, bulking. Like you know, you've got to be over sixty-five kilos. And I'm like, for me, I'm I have a small frame. Like yeah. I don't want to be sixty. You know, like I, I'm good around fifty-five. Like I feel good. I don't have to focus too much on like being strict with my food. I'm fast. I'm fit. I like that weight. Like oh, you know, way more. You know, be less body fat. It's like, but I don't feel good at 65 kilos like mm. I don't feel good but it doesn't matter how you feel it's how about it's about how you look yeah. you know putting the body to get to that level because naturally there was no way I was getting to above 65 kilos if I did that naturally and then that would then cause even more of a shitstorm inside your body because you're putting like like an external liquid inside of your body that's extremely unhealthy and you yeah. don't think of the long term effects at the time because at the time you just want to win yeah you don't think about the health afterwards that has an effect on you so i'm just so grateful that i got to pull myself out of that before that happened yeah (laughs) absolutely so let's start to wrap this up a little bit and like amazing that you've shared all of that with us it's i absolutely loved your story and what what i do want to ask you is basically what are some of the the principles that I guess you could give to the listeners as to, you know, if they want to look into say Forex or anything like that. Cause I know that I don't even know how many students you've got that you're teaching now. Like what's some of the stuff that you actually go through with your students in, in the Forex space so that they can succeed. Cause I, I know you've got a super high success rate with your students as well with having them win. Like where where do you, where do you start? Like, is there any free resources or like what sort of um, where can people kind of look? Well, that's the thing. I learned the hard way. So, as in saying that, like, I spent over five thousand dollars more, actually, close to ten thousand dollars in education when I could have went online and did a basic course for free. Um, now, my course obviously isn't um, 
considered basic. So usually if someone approaches me and they want to get, they need to learn the basics first. So I'll send them to, I'll link them to this website that is basically, it's a free um, course, Forex trading for beginners. You can make your own account. It doesn't cost anything. And honestly, like, it's a good course. Like for beginners, it's great. And then it teaches you how to actually open your own account um, and just paper trade to start before you, you put your own funds in. Um, and then, you know, give yourself a month or two. And then if you find that it is something for you, then look at doing some more um, experience, uh, learning some more experienced ways of, of trading um, because it's like the basics also cover things that you don't really need to learn. There's a lot of information in there that is just totally irrelevant and will probably cause more information overload. Yeah. Um, so I guess, again, it's like it, there's so many different strategies and approaches that people can take with trading. There's one way isn't the right way. There's literally hundreds of ways that work. It's about finding what works for you, um, your and your psychological makeup it depends on your time zone but if you're just again, just keeping it basic go onto the the link um you know i'll send the link to whoever wants to get into it or is interested into it they can start like researching on their own as opposed to spending thousands of dollars on education um and then that course will give them a basic um concept of trading and then they can decide if it is for them um if it's not cool they haven't lost any money um, and if they do want to research it further, then I guess either go out on their own, find out for themselves, yep. which is what I did, although from, from losing, um, and then uh, find the right mentor. Because I did have, I probably had one good mentor that taught me the right concepts psychologically. And then I sort of just, like I said, found my friends online and then we sort of got together and created a group and we were just yeah, bouncing wow. ideas together. And that. So, and that's what I teach my students, especially like with how, you know, uh, in banks trade because they don't want retail traders to win. So it's like learning those concepts. But that then comes after you learn the basics. Because yeah, if yeah. you look at that stuff, very, very overwhelming because it looks very difficult. Um, but definitely learn the basics first and just take it step by step. Because again, if you look at it as a whole, it can be very, very overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, sweet. Well, that's that's a, a bit of a concept with with most people people anyway. They kind of want to go straight to success now, and uh, whether that's in you know reaching their health and fitness goals or their financial goals or whatever it is. So that's super important. Yeah. Starting off with those basics because if you don't have that basic foundation, you you're always going to crumble exactly. in the end. Foundations exactly. You don't have a foundation of a house doesn't have a foundation or a building doesn't have a foundation it is going to collapse, which is going to be the same thing as any career. So it's like people want overnight success, but it's like, no, especially with trading, like people don't see results in two months. It's like they quit, really? Like people go to uni for four years, five, six years, and then they say it takes them three years to start to earn a sort of decent salary. So look at that and then look at the way, you know, look at it's like you're giving up in, in six months or two months. Come on, like, yeah, you yeah. really want it? quick dollar. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, cool. I, I think that's uh, that's pretty good, Steph. I really appreciate you taking the time and uh, yeah, telling the audience your story and, and giving us a bit of wisdom around that. But there's something that I, I really like to finish the podcast on. And because this is based on life experience, I really like to just leave it with you on out of all of your life experience through all of your circumstances, what's one piece of advice that you could leave for the listeners so that 
they can succeed in anything, any aspect of their life? That's a, that's a very open-ended question. Yeah. But <clears throat> basically, to think of it as a whole is just don't give up. Like if you found something that you really love and you're passionate about, just do it. Like, and what's holding you back? Like, really, if you're passionate about something, you want to make, and you want to make something happen. Like, there are going to be roadblocks. It's not going to be easy, but that's like a life lesson. That's a lesson of the universe. It's like it that it weeds out the, the weak ones to the strong ones. Me being completely direct right now. But if you want it bad enough, you'll make it happen, and and no amount of hardship will stop you. So definitely don't give up on something you want. That. Yeah that bad like just go for it don't worry about the hard shit that'll all sort itself that will always sort itself out it always will because once you start getting traction the things that were bothering you a year ago you'll be looked back a year later and you'll be like wow that i really nearly quit for that and now i'm here because if i did quit it's like usually as well like just before you quit it's like the next step is when you start to see the light so people quit yeah. just just before you see that success so it's like don't don't give up. Just don't give up. Yeah, I love that. So ha- have a bloody go. <laughs> yeah, exactly, as the Aussies would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, perfect, Steph. Um, thanks again for jumping on, and yeah, I'm sure we'll have you on again at another stage. We'll see where you're at in, in yeah. six, 12 months' time, and yeah, maybe we can get your partner on a, 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 at one stage with both of you, and we can have a bit of a conversation around how you're both going. Well, if he's going to be on here, we're going to need at least two hours because he does not stop talking. But, yeah, that sounds really great. Thank you so much for having me on. And, yeah, hopefully we'll speak soon again. Yeah, absolutely. Sweet, Steph. Thanks heaps for that. Thanks. Bye. See you, time. Thanks for listening to The Ty Lucas Show. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to visit tylucas.com.au for more free resources to improve your health, wealth, and relationships. And if you loved the show, leave us a five-star review. See you in the next episode.